Well, this is a series simply entitled Choices. And I wonder, I, I think this is true for most, if not everybody here. Have you ever made a choice? Have you ever made a decision that you instantly regretted? One that, you, one that after you did it, you said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry I did that. I, I think that's true. I think we all have made a number of choices that we realize instantly were the wrong choice. Some choices that would make that highlight reel of the blooper film of our life. Things that we thought that was really bad. How could I have not thought that through? How could I have been so stupid? The reality is that all of the choices that we make have consequences. Every single one. Some of them that are are fairly insignificant, but some of them that are. Some of them that carry deep consequences. Every choice has a consequence, and every choice has an impact. I think that's one of the things sometimes that we don't think about. What is going to happen? What is the impact of this decision that I'm going to make, or this choice that I'm going to make? And I would submit to you that it, I call it the ripple effect, like throwing a rock into a pond. Well, we don't even sometimes think about those initial waves, but then it just continues to go out and out and out. The impact of our choices, of our decisions, go much further and last much longer than what we ever envisioned in the midst of making that decision and choice, sometimes to the bad and sometimes to the good. We started out this series looking at what it means to simply follow and to be. Basic foundational decisions to walk with God. Last week we looked at speaking the truth in love, and it's not an either-or. It's a both-and. Sometimes we're called and we're told that the decision to follow God and, and to live out truth doesn't have a whole lot to do with grace. I would submit to you it has to do with grace, completely and wholly, to love enough, to make good choices, to speak truth and to live truth, hold people accountable for decisions that are being made, choices that are being made. And then today, um, looking at the choice to stand firm. The choice to stand firm. And we're going to look at three truths about different ways we can make that choice to stand firm. Three things that are key and important, critical, that God shares that will help us to do just that, to stand firm. And before we get to the first one, I want to ask you a question that I'd like you to really think about. Really, two situations. But the first is, have you ever been stuck in the muck? Literally, physically. Have you ever been in muck? Well, one time when I was um, hunting, when I was a young man, I I was hunting around a swamp area. I was rabbit hunting. I wasn't really paying too much attention to my surroundings. I was just wanting to find some bunnies. And I took a misstep, and the next thing I knew, I was up to my waist in mud. Now, I I, I didn't go into a full-blown panic. 
I was pretty concerned. But I tried to keep my head about me. And, and, and the first thing I did is what most good hunters will do. I took my gun and I threw it to solid ground. So my gun would be safe. I'm going down, but I'm not going to take I love that gun. I'm going to save it. Whew. Well, then I started to think, how am I going to get out of here? I looked around. There are no trees, nothing to grab onto. So I did what they kind of tell you to do with ice, right? You kind of spread yourself out and you try to pull and claw, but all the earth gave way. It just wasn't working. So then I took off my good hunting coat because I didn't want to get that dirty, and I threw it up on the ground, and then I started to go to work. And one thing about muck, when you go to pull it out like, and you throw it, it, it just kind of like seeps right in, right? So inch by inch, I kept working at it. It took me over two and a half hours to get out of that mud. And by the time I was done, I was exhausted. I was tired out. I was cold. I, I, I was so tired, I just sat there for a few minutes just to regain my strength. Uh, not too many things that I've done that were more physically exhausting than getting out of that mud. But then I thank God profusely. You know, being stuck in the mud spiritually is a lot like that. So there's the next question. Have you ever been stuck in the muck spiritually? Have you ever been at a place in your life you're feeling a little bit desperate because of the choices you've made. And you don't see a way out. Well, God has some truth for you this morning. Whether you've been there, whether you're just dealing with some difficult things because of the choices you've made, God wants to speak to you. And He has some words for you, first of all. From Psalm 40, verses 1 to 4. We're going to go to three different places, so keep your Bibles handy. First, Psalm 40, verses 1 to 4. Hear these life-giving and life-changing words. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is a person who makes the Lord their trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. This is his word might be written on our hearts, lived in our lives. So this is speaking about um, what I would say is, is, is the first choice we can make about standing firm. And that is we can make a choice to get out of the muck onto solid ground. And to be clear, and, and a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts about this. There are a lot of um, psychologists and people who would speak into um, people being at places that are not good in their life and offer all kinds of explanations and thoughts for it. And, and I don't want to be, and maybe at the risk of being incredibly simple, to say that often one of the things that we need to be really, really clear about is that it is a choice. 
Is that not true? We choose to make decisions, and then as I taught our children, our decisions make us. We have a choice. We have a choice to follow and be or not. We have a choice to do wrong or we have a choice to do right. We have a choice to live a holy life or not a holy life. We have a choice to sin or not sin. And we just have to be honest about that. And and, and God speaks to that when he says uh, this passage in truth about lifting us out of that sin. About out of that place that isn't good and healthy. I really don't know what the writer is speaking about, what their exact predicament is. But I know how they chose to get out. The same thing is true for anybody who finds himself at a place where decisions that they've made, big or small, singularly or multiply, about being in a bad place spiritually. And there's profound truth in these words about how to get out of that muck and stand onto solid ground. The first thing is something that's implicit. You look at that first sentence, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. What does that infer? That there was a relationship with God. If you look at the end, verse 4, it starts and ends this way. Blessed is the person who makes the Lord his trust. Who has faith? He's speaking about a relationship with God. That is the the beginning and the end all, I would submit to you, about getting out of the muck that can come into our heart and into our life is a relationship with God. See, the world offers all kinds of different ways to stay out of the muck, all kinds of things. There's there's thousands of self-help things that focus on choices and decisions. God offers himself. And if you want to experience the best things in life, if you want to be at a place, and by the way, that best things in life is speaking about right relationships, those things that we say money can't buy. People will look to all different kinds of things, and it's there at the end too, false gods, more on that in a minute. But it's about knowing God, about having a real relationship with him. You know, there are all kinds of things that maybe might work for a while, but there's nothing that brings, and you see that, verses 2 and 3, that's what it's about. Change. Set my feet on a rock. Gave me a firm place to stand. Put a new song in my mouth. If you want lasting and real change, if you don't want to repeat stepping into the mud again, God's the answer. He's the only one that can bring hope and power and protection. Other things might help temporarily, but they're not going to be able to do what God can do because God is God, him and him alone. And so if you want to be at a place where you're standing strong and firm, 
if you don't want to walk in that mud anymore? The answer is a real relationship. And a couple of other things that it points out that are true in this passage about getting out of the muck. And one of the things that we're really not too good at, and I will admit to that myself, first verse, three words, I waited patiently. How many of you are patient spiritually? Is that true? We, we fight this battle in our culture. We live in an instant push-button world. We want results now. You know, I, I turn on the computer and I boot it up, and if it's taking longer than 30 seconds, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. Drop a call. It's like frustration, even though I can call them back and connect in just a minute. What is up with that? So you've been taught to be impatient. And if you read all through the Psalms, it's one of the things I love about them, especially you get to the end of a lot of different Psalms. It's speaking this same word and the same truth. It says repeatedly time and time again, wait on the Lord, be strong, wait on the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out. I get this beautiful image of God reaching down and pulling somebody out of the muck that they've walked into. It's a beautiful picture. And God is asking for our patience. Is that because he can't do it in a heartbeat? That he's not strong enough or powerful enough? Absolutely not. It has everything to do with you and me. So you go to that last verse. Did you catch what it said there? So it starts out saying, I waited patiently for the Lord. Certainly provides a witness. You see that. But then it says this. That blessed is the person who makes the Lord their trust who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. I want to ask you, so if you've been praying, have you ever had a situation where you have prayed, you're in the midst of something, you want it to change, you pray, and then you get frustrated with God, and you suddenly, somehow, you abandon your prayers, maybe not consciously, but then you decide you're going to take matters into your own hands. Guys, listen up. And you decide that you are going to solve this or you're going to get other people or other things to take care of this. And before you know it, you're not even praying to God anymore, but you're following all of those things that you think are going to bring resolution that are going to help you. And that's part of the patience. That's part of what determines and reveals real faith and real trust. Go to Luke 11, read what Jesus says. He talks about perseverance. About not giving up on God. See, God doesn't give up on us, we give up on Him. And we decide somehow, some way, we're going to pursue something else that maybe will help us. Read the Old Testament, the nation of Israel. Why were they always getting in trouble, especially when you get into kings? They gave up on God. 
They decided maybe the king of Egypt or maybe the king of Assyria could help them more than God. And God sends prophets and says repeatedly, because you didn't trust me, because you did not enlist my care after I had told you repeatedly that I am your God, because you chose, you were impatient, and you decided to go off on your own, do whatever, forsake me, you now are going to reap what you sow. You're not going to live with the consequences of your choice, of your decision to pursue something other than me. That's just truth. God speaks boldly, and you want to know, how can I get out of this situation? Right here, Psalm 40, 1 and 4. Be patient. Have a real relationship with God. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Have faith. Trust God. I think if we were all honest, if we stopped and we thought about the situations that we found ourselves in, that'd be one of the things that would be true. That we decided to go a different course. We lost patience with the great Lord our God. We need to make a choice, an active choice, to get out of the muck and to stand on firm ground. Another element of truth about making choices is found just a a couple psalms over. These next two choices and truths have to do with staying on solid ground the choices that we make and how that can help. And the first is Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. Listen to these words. If the Lord delights in a person's steps, he makes their steps firm. Though he will stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds them with his hand. I'm going to read that one more time. Listen close to what it's saying. If the Lord delights in a person's way, he makes their steps firm. Though they stumble, they will not fall, for the Lord upholds them with his hand. Isaiah 41.10 is a great verse that illustrates that as well. If, If we want to stand firm, we may to make ongoing and constant choices about standing firm. It is not just a one-shot deal, um, things that indeed we, we make this decision and then, and then there's this holy armor. I want, I want to remind you again that the reason that, that and, and some people have wondered, you know, why in the world did I do this? How could God have allowed me to do this? Well, he doesn't want you to be a spiritual robot. He doesn't mandate righteousness. He asks for it to honor him and bring him glory. That thing called free will. And if we want to stand firm, we need to recognize that it is is a constant fight and battle. Scripture speaks about that a lot too. You can read all about that in the New Testament. Peter really digs into it deep in different places. 
So, so there's this constant ongoing decision and choice that allows us to stand firm. And it is, again, an inactive choice to indeed be right with God. All of the things that we deal with day in and day out that deal with our morality, with our character, with our integrity, it's being challenged constantly. Anybody lose their power last week due to the storms? Only a couple. I feel badly for you. You're about the only ones. Maybe there were other people. Maybe they didn't want it. Yeah. What a tough thing, right? Do you know what is the number one cause, at least in in our great state, in our area, of why um, power gets cut off? Do you know what it is? Trees. That's right. Boy, we love them, but yeah. And I thought I only had a love-hate relationship with cars, but trees. And why do trees fall on power lines? Well, a couple different reasons. They fall on power lines because there's something wrong with the tree. It's not healthy. It's got rot in it, disease. Something happens. A big branch breaks off or the whole tree falls over. Or it's not rooted in the right kind of soil. And so the tree, winds come, storms blows the tree over or breaks branches off. No power. Are you getting it? Storms of life, decisions and choices to make. If you are not healthy on the inside, and Jesus spoke to this repeatedly, how can you expect to withstand the storms and stand firm? Remember what he he just repeatedly spoke to the Pharisees about it. You appear to be healthy on the outside, but inside you're full of sin. Call them whitewashed tombs. He, He spoke about holiness, rightness, making choices day in and day out to be holy and to be right with God. So it is with us. It it, it takes active decision-making to be right with God, to withstand the, the attacks that we face in this world on our righteousness and on our holiness. You know, when, when I was younger too, I, I got into the practice of cutting down trees for people. Um, I was kind of crazy, actually. And I would climb up in trees and um, just start cutting them down. And I remember a guy asked me to cut down a tree that was right next to his garage, and it was a huge walnut tree. And he told me, well, there might be some problems with this tree because I had some professionals come out and they wouldn't cut it down. I think the bottom line on that was just that they... It was too much effort for whatever compensation they were going to get. You know, one tree, and they just didn't want to waste their time with it. But they told the guy that it was hollow inside, that carpenter ants had eaten it out. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's crazy. I hadn't heard of that too much. So I start cutting it down, 
and I get down to just the, the last couple of cuts. I had it all topped out, everything else. And then I start to see something happening in the core and in the heart of the tree, up about maybe 20 feet. And every cut I made after that, the hole got bigger until at the trunk of the tree, the trunk of the tree was about this big around, the hole inside was eaten out except for maybe two inches in circumference all the way around the tree. The rest of it was hollow. They were exactly right. That tree was an accident waiting to happen. How true is that in our hearts and in our lives if we're empty spiritually? If we've made choices that create decay and rot in our hearts and in our lives? What does it look like to make good and healthy choices to be right with God? Well, you made one this morning. Coming into the presence of God. Worshiping Him. And I hope your your hearts are open to everything that God wants to bring in in song, in prayer, in word. Lots of other choices. None the least of these, personal time with God getting to know God, helping Him give you through His Word truth about how to live, how to be strong. Every single day, reading the Word of God, praying, spending time with Him, surrounding yourself with other people who are spiritually fit, who can be a witness who can speak into your life and truth. There's all kinds of decisions that we make, folks. And there are decisions that help us stay strong and to stay in a firm place. And that's what this passage is speaking about. If the Lord delights in a person's way, He makes their steps firm. He's not going to tell you you have to do these things. He encourages you. But you make a choice every day. Am I going to follow God or not? Am I going to read his word or not? Am I going to pray or not? Am I going to go to church or not? Am I going to have my heart open to whatever it is that God is bringing to me today? Am I going to or not? And when we're there, you know, missteps are going to happen. That's what I love about verse 24. Though they stumble, they will not fall. Why? Because God is right there. It's one of the things about sin, right? The best definition I've ever heard of it. It's you're turning your back on God. So there it is right in front of you, a choice to be holy or not holy. And then you turn your back and you walk away from what you know is true. That's really what sin is. And when you do, you're walking away from the very one that can save you and keep you on solid ground. And when you've made a series of choices and God is there just to say, and you're over here, does that mean he can't reach out and save you? Yes, but you need to make an active choice to be close to God. And if you do that right there, bam. It's kind of like Jesus when Peter got out of the boat, right? He's, he's right there. He grabs him. He lifts him up. He saves him and protects him. So it is with the right relationship with God. And that's what this passage is speaking about. If you want to be on firm ground... If you want to stand firm, 
continue to make a series of ongoing choices, having God in your heart and in your life. And everything that can go into that, everything that can help you with that, is so powerful, so important. Making active choices to get out of the muck, being patient, trusting God. And then once you're there, continually walking, making good decisions and choices, following the Lord. And then this last one, and I think this is, is huge and big, especially uh, in our culture. And it, the, the truth for it comes out of First Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. So listen to these words of truth. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be people of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. Words one more time. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. I think that's so critical and so important in the world in which we live, being on our guard. One thing that I've been getting into a little bit, I've been watching um, YouTube videos about different things, and one thing is about, um, this is going to sound really crazy maybe, but people getting mugged. Because we, we're, we're in, a, in a time where that's, you know, just it's just blowing up, right? People are assaulting each other on city streets left and right. It's spinning out of control. And you watch the news probably way more than me, so you know what I'm talking about. But I was watching a YouTube clip, and it was a clip on a guy that was a criminal. He was a career um, robber and mugger, and so that's what he would do. He was in a, um, in a, a city, um, New York City, and he, um, that, that was his life. He just mugged people, uh, robbed, stole from them. And so he said he had a change of heart, uh, came to know God. And he decided he was going to make things right. And so he wanted to do this video to teach people about how to not get mugged. And you know what he said was the number one thing that criminals look for? I hope none of you know this by past experience. Alertness. He said, the first thing that I did when I was walking around the streets looking to see who it is that I would mug, I would look for somebody who was distracted. And stop and think about that for a minute. Now I don't spend a lot of time in metropolitan and down in inner cities looking, but I have, and it's amazing, and I'm a people watcher, and it's amazing how many people are walking around oblivious to what's going on. So that there's ear pods, there's phones, there's all kinds of things. And they're just walking around. And I'm like, this guy had to have had this, this it's like a, a buffet, right? A criminal's buffet. Because all the people that walk around, they're not in tune with their surroundings. And he said, if we walked up to somebody and if all of a sudden I kind of got their attention, I would try to distract him again. I would even ask them a simple question if they have a phone. And so they kind of, they know they have a phone, but they kind of look or what time it is, something to get their eyes off of me, and then I would rush them, and then I would attack them. And another part that he looked for, people who are vulnerable. 
So yes, he was talking about aged. And yes, females, he said that. Not a sexist comment. Those were his words. Well, I was a woman I would never want to try to attack. But he looked for the vulnerable, the distracted and the vulnerable. Now, step out of that for a second. Go back to this passage and what God is saying. Be on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. If you want to know how to stand on firm ground, it's to make a choice to be alert, prepared, and to stand firm. That's what this passage is speaking about. I don't know what you think about Satan. Listen to these words out of 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says this, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him by standing firm in the faith. The the capability for you to make a poor choice, to not be alert to the consequences of your decision, can happen in a heartbeat. The evil one is all around. And all you need to do is live a minute into the world that we have before us and see that that's not true. You have capabilities and opportunities to fall prey to where Satan wants you to go and the choices he wants you to make. How do you avoid that? You avoid that by being on your guard, by being alert, by being prepared. That helps you to stand firm. There's something that that has to do with spiritual confidence as well. When you encounter those types of situations that allows you to, to sidestep or to defeat, to be victorious when Satan comes calling. And it is alertness and it is being prepared and equipped. And one of the ways that you can discern, and I'm kind of, I'm getting ready for my fantasy football draft. And one of the things I look for in a quarterback is it's composure, but somebody who can make a throw after that initial coverage is, is there. So they drop back and they're looking and they're reading and this one, but how did that happen? How does that guy know then where to go with the ball? Because he's prepared, he's worked. He knows who the second, the third, and the fourth receiver is. When we get into a situation spiritually, when Satan comes calling, we need to be prepared. We need to know what that means. How it is that we're going to walk forward. And we're going to be alert to those situations. Be on your guard. We have a saying about that. We, what happens sometimes when something happens, when we get sucked, punch or blindsided or something, it's because we weren't ready. We let our, that's the saying, we let our guard what? Down. I want to submit to you that, that, that God has given to you 
the best detection and defense system known to man. It's called the Holy Spirit. And I have like Christians and, and followers of God that are alert, that are in tune with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking around with this, I think, sky fi You can see where my mind goes and how I envision things. And the Holy Spirit is sending out signals. And when you come up to something, you know this is not good, that there's a problem here. You have those spiritual antenna and just the, the sense and the leading of the Holy Spirit. To know this is a situation that you need to avoid. This is a situation that Satan is trying to take you into to have you fall, make a misstep, lose your character, lose your integrity. To get into the muck instead of standing firm and avoiding. Best detection and defense system ever, the Holy Spirit given to you. So I got a question for you. What would you think of an individual who spent a million dollars on a security system for their home and then turned it off and got robbed. Exactly. If we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we're being a fool. God gives us the capability. And he says, look, I want you to be self-controlled. I want you to be alert. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have spiritual courage and strength. When you're not, you don't. The choice is ours. God wants us to make a good choice, a great choice, the best choice. As I have to say a word about the the last verse there, do everything in love. Because I wondered, when I first read that, I I thought that's a little odd for that to be there. Right? So, So you see the words that precede it. Be on your guard, stand firm in your faith. Um, be people of courage, be strong, and then do everything in love. And I thought, that's a little odd. But then I thought about it for a minute. I said, absolutely not. See, because if we indeed are on our guard, if indeed we're standing firm in our faith, we're going to do just what God brought truth about last week. We're going to speak the truth. What? How? In love. And we're going to be loving. See, when we're not prepared, when we're not full of the Spirit, what do we do in those situations? We crumble, we fall, we attack, we lash out. That's a true sign of not being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if indeed we were full of Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be doing that. Instead, we would be filled with love. And we choose alternatives rather than how we act and behave in the moment. It comes by being prepared. It comes by being alert. It comes by being filled with the Holy Spirit. So much truth, so many great things 
that God gives us in His Word. We just looked at three short passages about how to stand firm as we walk with God from day to day. Brothers and sisters, um, it's a huge part of living a life and making the right choices. Choosing to stand firm. And there's only one way it happens. It happens by a right relationship with God. By calling on Him. Being patient, trusting Him. Making ongoing decisions. Being alert and prepared. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how we stand firm. That's how we make good choices. We're going to look the next couple of weeks about things that came out of these passages. I'm trusting God, faith. We can make a choice to trust God or not, and we can make a choice to love or not. That's the next two weeks. Hope you join us then. Yeah, would you join together with me as we pray? Lord God, you are so awesome and so incredible. Lord, what a relief it is to know that because of your goodness and your grace, because of your love, you extend that righteous right arm to us to grab a hold of. And you bless us and you equip us with your word and with your truth and with the Holy Spirit so that we would make choices that serve as a witness as we try to stand as salt and light to proclaim your glory and honor in a lost and hurting world that you so desperately love. God, we praise you for the grace that you give to us, but we praise you for your promise of truth and protection and power. Lord, I pray that you'd equip each one of us with the fullness of your spirit, born out of being with you, out of reading your word and seeking you, claiming those promises so we would stand firm. I ask that in your holy and your precious and awesome name, God, because together we just want to glorify you. We just want to be who it is that you created, redeemed, gifted, and called us to be. I pray that with all my heart. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your presence and your power. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.